there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Season 3, episode 45 of the Daily Intermission Podcast. I'm back in studio and do we have a lot to go over? It was a wild weekend at sports. The sports world is absolute, an absolute content machine right now. Super excited to get into things. But first, we've got to mention the episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Spring has sprung, and our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming, have the best tools for some spring cleaning in your pants. Trust me, your confidence will be blooming just like the flowers. Look your best this spring with, and join over 8 million men who trust Manscaped for their below-the-waist grooming. Use the code TDI and get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Listen, guys, the Performance Platinum Package, the Lawnmower 4.0, they got shampoo, conditioner. I mean, we're talking about the Weed Whacker nose. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable, uh, the products they have over at themanscaped.com. So make sure you head over, use the code TDI for 20% off and free shipping. Right now, the NFL Combine is going on as it is every year in, in uh, Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. And I, I mean, I, I am never, I'm, I, it never ceases to amaze me the, you know, the, the amount of athleticism that is shown off by, it's the offensive lineman, I think for me, uh, some of the tight ends, obviously, and uh, the D line. I mean, all of these guys are such freak athletes, and they test just so phenomenally well. I mean, I, I guess I can relate because I've been tested in these manners. Like, I remember my first year of college. Uh, they had, they were doing the, the 225 bench. Couldn't do it. Couldn't even, st- I could barely even do 155, like a plate and a 10. Like I was not even stepping under the bench press. My vertical was a joke. My 40 yard dash, I think I ran in 4.85. Um, and I mean, some of the, like some of these guys are just absolute freaks of nature and uh, it's really fun to watch, but I was looking into the record. So John Ross, uh, I'm not sure where he's bounced around to. Obviously he was drafted by the Bengals, a speedy receiver. Uh, he ran a 4-2-2, which is the record. Uh, a D lineman in 1999 bench pressed 225 pounds 51 times. 51 times. Absolutely outrageous. Uh, Chris Connolly, I think, had the has the best vert. I'm not sure he was a Houston receiver for a while. Um, I do believe, but Chris Connolly jumped 45 inches. And then uh, Byron Jones, cornerback uh, in the NFL, broad jumped. 12 feet, three inches. Like, so the, I mean, some of the, that's just those, obviously they're the, the records in the, uh, the NFL combine, but it's a lot of fun to watch. And I always find it too. Like the quarterbacks are testing and they're throwing, you know, out routes and post routes and deep balls. And like the commentators are just absolutely stroking these guys, double wrist in these guys. And, and it's like, man, like, I mean, <laughs> the guy's just running in a straight line and drop it in the bucket. I mean, all of these guys can do that anyway. It's it's really funny to watch. I mean, some of the stuff I think is a little over the top, but um, it's really fun. And, and it, it does, you know, put all of them in the same room and uh, coaches and scouts from around the league get to watch these guys and, you know, start to uh, make some tinkering to their draft boards. But it's really fun to watch, uh, especially to it goes on all day long. Um, and uh, I guess it's probably over now, but all day long during the weekend. So it was like kind of a... 
it was in the rotation, I'll say. Uh, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the gym later on today and I'm going to sit down with the bar, a 45 pound bar and see if I can do it 51 times. I think I'll be able to blow that out of the water, but I want to know what weight I'll be able to do for 51 reps because 225 pounds for 51 reps is absolutely outrageous. So we're going to see what we can do. But folks, we got a lot to get into. There's been news just scorching through the sports world. So quarter one, we'll talk about the NBA. Quarter two, we'll move into the NHL. Quarter three, we've got a lot of golf to talk. A lot of golf to talk. And then in quarter four, we'll move into the UFC 285 breakdown and Formula One, the Bahrain race. The Bahrain Grand Prix went on on Sunday, and uh, I lost some money. But you know what? We'll get into that stuff. I did want to mention, too, a, a, a show favorite, Jackson Mahomes. So apparently Jackson Mahomes was in a bar in Kansas over the weekend. And you know for a fact that if people don't know who Jackson Mahomes is, he is the first one to let you know that he is Patrick Mahomes' brother. If you didn't recognize him, or if you know, he'll he would go, he would he would not have an issue saying, uh, "I'm Patrick Mahomes' brother." And you just you just know for a fact that that's how he pulls off a lot of his interactions in society. But anyway, he went to this bar in Kansas, and there was a 40 year old bar manager. And there's a there's a video online. He like puts her in a guillotine and starts making out with her. And then Lee, like this girl's like kind of obviously like gets him, gets him, you know, pushes him off of her. And then he goes back for round two. Anyway, she's charging him for assault. Going to be interesting to see what happens to Mr. Jackson Mahomes. And I'm thinking if he goes behind bars, he'll be getting fat. He'll be getting fed a sandwich that he actually might enjoy. But moving on folks, let's head into quarter one. The NBA is alive and well, we got 20 games left in the regular season. There's going to be a lot of jockeying for positions, but John Morant. So I've made videos of John Morant in the last few weeks. Um, and it started off with the Pacers. Uh, when the Pacers were playing uh, the Memphis Grizzlies earlier this year, there was about five Pacers players walking with the security guard out in the garage to the bus. And John Morant drove by in an SUV and a red light from a gun, which the security guard is, you know, very certain was a gun, was shining over the Pacers players. Like, all right, red flag, that is sketchy as fuck for a guy like John Morant to be doing. We fast forward, we get news that last summer he was having a pickup basketball game in his backyard. There was a 17-year-old high school player there. John Morant inbounded the ball with, I guess, unnecessary unnecessary heat to this high schooler. The high schooler, you know, sent it back to him and hit him in the face. John Morant proceeded to beat the shit out of him, goes inside, gets a gun, points it at him. Just last weekend... Just this past weekend, John Morant's at a club. He's on an Instagram live and puts a gun. He's like flashing a gun around on his head. So three firearm offenses from John Morant, which is a huge red flag, man. Like, you know, you're a mega star in the NBA. You're making millions of dollars. You don't need to be like this stuff is the stuff that will ruin your career, ruin your life. And to be putting yourself in those types of situations is idiotic. It's just... You know, obviously the maturity level of John Moran or what, you know, his extracurriculars uh, outside of the outside of the NBA are certainly concerning, especially for Memphis. So uh, he'll be stepping away from the team. Hopefully he, he can seek some professional help because there, there needs to be someone to intervene here. Um, you know, you never want to see a guy flashing firearms and who knows what types of crowds he's hanging out with. But, you know, it's 
you get these cases of athletes who, you know, they make millions of dollars, they're mega famous, and, you know, they don't really know which direction to go. They don't know how to handle themselves, and they, may, they might put themselves in, you know, situations where they're surrounded with, you know, very bad people and, or, you know, people that aren't optimal for a professional athlete to be hanging out with. So uh, I'm not sure the whole story behind John Morant, but obviously these three instances uh, where Ja has, you know, there was another one as uh, with a mall security guard, but I don't really know much about that. But you know, hopefully, Jaws seeks out some help. And um, you know, you just would hate to see a young megastar like that uh, lose his career or get into some trouble, and, and it would wind up, uh, you know, in the big house. So, um, to make things even worse for the Memphis Grizzlies, Brandon Clark outfit the season with a torn ACL. They sit second in the West right now, but with John Morant out for the extended, you know, for you know, who knows how long. They said a few games, but I think it might take longer than that for him to kind of, you know, get things organized in, in his life. I mean, it's who knows? Who knows what uh, what Jaw's going to be up to and what the Memphis Grizzlies are going to be doing? So that's going to be a team to monitor. I mean, that might be a team to to uh, bet against if we get some good odds. I actually did last night against the. Uh, I bet on the Clippers last night and they ended up winning. Um, but uh, gosh, you have to feel bad for uh, the Memphis Grizzlies right now and the organization. I mean, your young superstar screwing around with firearms and getting into some situations which you just can simply avoid by being a better person. The New York Knicks are absolutely heating up, ladies and gentlemen. They've won nine straight games. They took my Boston Celtics to double overtime and beat them last night. Uh, They find themselves fifth in the Eastern Conference right now. The addition of Jalen Brunson in the offseason has just been electric. He just continues to play well. Josh Hart, his teammate from Villanova, has been phenomenal. Uh, Julius Randle's an absolute beast. A guy that I'm a little disappointed with is R.J. Barrett. I mean, Canadian, obviously, from our side of the border. Uh, he, he's just inconsistent. I do think that he, he's got some game, but uh, do I think that the Knicks can make uh, noise in the playoffs? No, I, I think they could win a round. I, I do think that. Do I think that they can go you know, through a Philly, Milwaukee, or Boston? No chance. No chance. But they are heating up, and they are looking you know, good, and, and you have to think that Knicks fans are fired up about that because it's been a dumpster fire for the New York Knicks um, for a long time. And, um, you know, they're not too far away. I think that they can bring in another nice piece. Like, I do like Julius Randle. I really like Jalen Brunson. I mean, that guy's a swag machine. Obviously rolled in uh, on on Patrick Caden's debut night. Uh, last Thursday, uh, Jalen Brunson rolled into the arena, into MSG in a Patrick Kane 88 jersey. Fired me up. He's a stud. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with the Knicks. I mean, they're going to finish probably fourth or fifth uh, in the East, and, and um, you know, they'll be looking uh, to uh, make some noise in the playoffs. But nine straight wins for the New York Knicks. Nikolai Jokic, we always got to bring this guy up. We bring up the studs. We bring up McDavid in the, um, in the, in the NHL quarter typically, and we're bringing up Nikolai Jokic frequently. Uh, he's five triple-doubles away from passing LeBron James for fifth all-time. My question is, can this guy get past Russell Westbrook because it's just, I mean, Russell Westbrook's past his days where he could really put up triple-double numbers, but um, I think he sits, you know, maybe 80 to 90 triple-doubles back. So it's a it's going to be a tall task for a guy like Nikolai Jokic to pass Russell Westbrook, but he's making noise, man. And for a big man to be in there, you know, just collecting triple-doubles night in, night out, it's, it's awesome to see. So he's going to pass LeBron uh, for fifth all-time probably sometime in the next few weeks. Um, and I mean, from all, from, you know, from everything that I'm reading, I think this is my third straight podcast. I think we should start to sprinkle some money on Jokic winning the, the, uh, the MVP it's due to the fact of the Nuggets are being super successful and, and Jokic just continuing to be, um, you know, the motor there in Denver, LeBron James, 
was spotted at Bronny's playoff basketball game this week. Bronny went off for 21 points. Sierra Canyon ended up winning the game, but LeBron, man, he is just he, he's just no shortage of embellishment. Um, this guy is in a walking boot, kind of limping across the court. It's just completely unnecessary, in my opinion. Uh, he's also on one of those scooters, so you put your banged up ankle, uh, you put your knee on like a pad and hang your, your banged up ankle, and then you've got one foot and you kind of scooter around. Obviously, you know, he's had direction from from medical, from some, some medical professionals uh, in terms of how he should be taking care of this ankle. Uh, but it's just, he just is just the king of embellishment. Um, you know, he just loves to embellish things and, and he knows the cameras are on him everywhere he goes. So, um, but yeah, I think he is still a few weeks away. Uh, but the Lakers um, took care of, of Golden State last night and uh, Anthony Davis is healthy. He's kind of been uh, looking a bit better. So, um, it's going to be a dogfight in the Western Conference, which we'll get into. But Steph finally made his return after missing 11 games, but they lose to the Lakers. Uh, but they sit in fifth. They're going to be a playoff team. Um, it's just tight right now in the Western Conference. Like, there's, like, you do not have a lot of room for error, uh, or you could find yourself uh, on the outside looking in. Uh, and we look at the basement of the, not the basement, but the uh, the mid-basement. I'll, t- I'll say a stair up from the basement. Uh, we've got the Pelicans, Jazz, and Lakers all battling out for those final two spots uh, in the playing games. They're all separated by a game. So, I mean, these last 20 games are going to be just absolutely crucial, uh, not only for the jockeying in the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference in the top six, but in, in the basements in terms of getting in. Uh, we look at Washington and Toronto over in the East. Uh, Toronto obviously won an overtime against Washington this week. So it's going to be a, a, a you know, a, a bloodbath battle. It, but, I mean... It just goes to show, like, are we ever going to see a Cinderella story out of these uh, out of these playing teams in the NBA? I don't think so. And, and, and is that a place you want to be? Because especially on a, on a year like this year, uh, where if you could get a lottery ball, you're feeling you know you're feeling like you got a chance at Victor Wimbayama. Um, but it doesn't seem like the Lakers. Or I'm looking at. I'm, I'm speaking about the Raptors specifically. It doesn't sound like they're going to be in a position to uh, be in the lottery, which is unfortunate. Um, due to the fact that they were buyers when everybody thought they were going to be sellers at the deadline. But, you know, hopefully uh, Masai and Bobby have got a nice uh, plan. But uh, the NBA continues on, and uh, hopefully John Moran can get things figured out uh, with his uh, with his gun use because uh, it's sketchy. Uh, you know, all, well, you don't need to be doing that type of stuff, Joe. All right, folks, quarter two, episode 45, season three. We're going to move into the NHL. And the dust has settled from maybe the most wild trade deadline we can remember. It was absolutely outrageous, the amount of trades that were happening. The arms race in the East, the Western Conference kind of just started to heat up towards the end of it. Um, you know, teams losing players towards the deadline and picking up uh, players to replace those guys. I mean, it was it was phenomenal. Uh, it really was. And uh, the I think if you're in NHL as a whole, you're really excited about what went down. I mean, the content, the media, all of the attention that this trade deadline brought, I think it's good for the game. Um, and, uh, hopefully it's, it's, uh, it's not uh, a one-off. Hopefully we get similar trade deadlines that for years to come, but I'm just looking. Okay. So we look at it, uh, you know, holistically, you know, which teams had the best deadline. Uh, I'm going to say Toronto, Boston and Edmonton had uh, really good deadlines. Uh, you could throw in New Jersey. Um, you could throw in other teams, um, that made kind of, you know, some, some big deals, but didn't make maybe uh, a ton of them. Uh, and then you look at the losers, you look at the Panthers, Philadelphia Flyers, Vancouver Canucks, Calgary Flames. This is just my opinion. Uh, but the winners, Toronto, the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, they finally did something that I think that fans and just media members have been looking for them to do for a long time. I think Kyle Dubas had this ideology uh, that he liked his group and he didn't, you know, it wasn't really maybe an all-in uh, mindset, but 
you know, he's a lame duck GM. He doesn't have a contract after this season. And I thought he put all of his chips on the table and he shoved them in the middle. Uh, I really liked what he did. Obviously, bringing in Luke Shan, a fan favorite in Toronto. Uh, he's got the most hits in the NHL. He's just a grit machine. Uh, you bring in Jake Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty from Chicago. Sam Lafferty will be a nice addition to the bottom six. Jake McCabe plays with a little bit of grit, can move the puck. Um, so I like that uh, for, their de- uh, for their defense core as well. Bring in a guy like Eric Gustafson who... who Goes a little under the radar. I'm not really sure why he gets paid $800,000 a year. He's a sick, he's had a 60 point season at his defense, but he's think he's got 38 points in just 60 games this year uh, for the Washington Capitals or for the Washington Capitals before he was traded to Toronto. Uh, so they did a nice job bringing in uh, some nice pieces. They've got a lot of defensemen. Um, you know they can really tinker with their pairings and figure out what's going to work for them. Uh, but I thought Kyle Lewis did a great job. And then obviously the Noel Chari and and uh, and Ryan O'Reilly deal. I mean they have really revamped their roster and and had it optimized for the playoffs. And I think that uh, Kyle Dubas deserves a lot of credit. Uh, and now it's it's up to Sheldon Keefe and the players to to really you know buckle down and get things done. Um, they're going to have the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round, who, again, brought in some nice pieces that Tanner Jadel absolutely knocked out Riley Stillman on the weekend. Um, but, you know, they're going to have to uh, deal with Vasilevsky and, and deal with uh, all the star power in Tampa Bay. But I think they are equipped to have a nice series. I look at a guy like Austin Matthews. I'm hoping that he's saving up uh, for the playoffs for the Leafs' sake because he has had, a, you know, a fairly quiet uh, regular season. I mean, uh, in the grand scheme of things, do you expect this guy to be a you know a top three player year in, year out in the NHL? But I think Mitch Marner has been the driving force. And I even think William Nylander's had a, you know, a more consistent season than Austin Matthews. So hopefully Austin Matthews can get things uh, going in the right direction. But I do think that Toronto Maple Leafs, after all the additions, I think they're ready to rock and roll and, and to, to have at least a win uh, in the first round. Uh, we look at the Boston Bruins. I mean, you didn't really have to do too much to this lineup. I mean, starting from the back end up, I mean, their goaltending duo is certainly the best in the league with Jeremy Swayman and, and Linus Allmark, who will win the Vezina Trophy this year. Didn't have to do much there, but you look at the defense core and you bring in Dmitry Orlov, and now you've got just a rotation of seven guys who can all play at a very high level. I mean, you've got Lindholm and Charlie McAvoy, unbelievable. you got Brandon Carlo, Dmitry Orlov, and now you've got a three-pack of guys who all bring a little bit of different stuff to the table. You've got Matt Grizzlick, Connor Clifton, and Derek Forbert battling it out for your bottom two. I mean, you got to think that the Boston Bruins' back end is one of the strongest in the league. They did a really good job. And then you look up front. I mean, it's unbelievable their depth. I mean, Taylor Hall ends up getting injured. He gets put onto the LTIR. It sounds like he'll be ready to rock by playoffs. So then, boom, you go trade for Tyler Bertuzzi. So some, so come playoff time, you're looking at a Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, Jake DeBrusque. You're looking at the all Czechia second line with with David Krejci, Pavel Zaka, and David Pasternak. And then you're looking at a third line that's. It's just outrageous. Taylor Hall, Tyler Bertuzzi, and Charlie Coyle. Are you kidding me? And now you've got a four-pack of guys in the bottom six that you can kind of mix in, mix out. You've got Trent Frederick, uh, Nick Foligno. You've got Garnet Hathaway, who you acquired from Washington. Uh, and then you can mix in Nosik. You can mix in uh, A.J. Greer. I mean, it is... They've done a phenomenal job. They've got depth, and they are ready to rock. And clearly, I mean, the Boston Bruins, they're 49-8-5 this season. I mean, it's just truly incredible what these guys have done. And I think that Don Sweeney deserves a lot of credit. He's done a lot, just a wonderful job in Boston. Now we look at Edmonton. Um, you know, they bring in uh, Bukestad from Arizona, and they bring in uh, Matias Ekholm from Nashville. I think they've done a great job there. Unfortunately, they had to get rid of Tyson Berry. They got rid of Jesse Pugliarvi, who really never worked out there in, in Edmonton, so I thought it was a nice job of getting him off the books, getting him out of the lineup. But, I mean, I think you've got to feel good about Edmonton. I think the one worry is Stuart Skinner and and um, and Jack Campbell in between the pipes. Like, can they really bring it come playoff time? Who's going to be your guy? I think right now you'd argue Stuart Skinner. Uh, Jack Campbell struggled at times. He has 
has come on as of late. But, um, you know, I think any team with Connor McDavid, I mean, they are my cup pick. They, I, I do think that it's going to be the Boston Bruins and Edmonton Oilers. It is hard to bet against the Colorado Avalanche, but I think, you know, any team with Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, Connor McDavid specifically, I mean, we saw him last year against. Uh, in the first two rounds, he willed his team to victory. And I know Leon Dreisaitl was dealing with a leg injury, but I, I liked what they've done. Uh, I think they got better, and, and uh, they're going to be a fun team to watch. Uh, once they get Evander Kane healthy, and Roger New Ryan Nugent Hopkins is playing very well. So I think that's a team to watch, and I think that's a team that uh, you know definitely got better and won that at the trade deadline. Let's look into the losers here. So every single team in the NHL made a trade within a month of the deadline except for the Florida Panthers the Florida Panthers it seems like they're gonna miss the playoffs and you know for a team that's the president's trophy uh, winner a year ago they trade for Matthew Kachuk it's just been unfortunate and we look at the two teams that traded uh, in that deal uh, Matthew Kachuk for uh, Mackenzie Weger and Jonathan Huberto and then obviously Johnny Goudreau leaving to sign with Columbus both Calgary and Florida are having off years. They're not doing well. Uh, you look, too, at their at their leadership and, and their coaching. I mean, you think Paul Maurice and Daryl Sutter would have these teams buzzing night in, night out. It just, doesn't, it just hasn't been uh, the case. And unfortunately, right now, Bobrovsky's been a little inconsistent for the Florida Panthers. And uh, their second goaltender, Spencer Knight, is in the... Um, the uh, I'm not sure, the, re the rehab program, the substance uh, abuse program rehab program I'm not sure if, actually if it's substance abuse but you know he's he's having a tough year and we look at the Flyers I mean they're a team that uh you know didn't get rid of JVR didn't get rid of Kevin Hayes didn't get rid of really anyone Provorov was on the block it sounded like so they kind of stayed put and it's just unfortunate uh you know those three teams that you know it seemed like Calgary could have made a push to make a puffs it, it certainly looked like that Florida could have made some moves to make them better but you know what it, in the end, at the end of the day, they didn't. And uh, I think they understand, too, that there is an understanding. That only one team will win the Cup this year. And uh, every other team, 31 teams, will be disappointed with the year. So, uh, I thought uh, the Panthers, like, not even making one move. That's a little odd, but... Anyway, it was a crazy deadline. A lot of teams stacked up in the East. A lot of teams getting better in the West. Dallas, with the late pickup of Dadenoff and, and Max Domi, and and uh, obviously we talked about Edmonton, and, and Vegas grabbing Jonathan Quick to, to help out uh, in between the pipes there. I mean, it's uh, it's going to be a really phenomenal playoffs. I think this is maybe going to be one of the more highly, highly anticipated playoffs uh, because we look, and we're guaranteed to have the Leafs, Lightning, and Rangers, Devils, which are just going to be phenomenal. Phenomenal. I do have a question in terms of the Calgary Flames. What is going on with Jonathan Huberto? I mean, this guy had 115 points a year ago. He has just been, he just has not found a stride in, in Calgary. And I'm not sure what's going on there in, in Calgary, but he has just been, he's off. And, and I don't know if it's because that he's still shocked that uh, Florida had the nuts to trade him, but. Anyway, Calgary is a certain, it's certainly a, a nice, uh, you know, case study right now. Like what the heck is going on there and what changes are going to be made? The Ottawa Senators. I couldn't be more happy about the Ottawa Senators. They're the hottest team in hockey right now. They've won five straight games. Well, hottest team outside of the Boston Bruins. I mean, they find themselves three points out of a playoff spot. Obviously, the addition to Jacob Chicken to the back end has just been amazing. He absolutely went bar down on the weekend. Looked great. Um, do I think that they can make a push and get into the playoffs? I do think that there's a chance to. But I look at their bottom six, and it's it's just really, really, really poor. Like That's, that's the one area that I look at their team right now. Uh, and, and their goaltending, Cam Talbot's been better as of late. Uh, you've got Mad Sogard, who has looked good in his first few games in the NHL, uh, but their bottom six is tough. Uh, it's it's you know when they, I mean they've got a few layups coming up, 
Um, but I think down the stretch when you're battling again, batting, battling it out against the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Boston Bruins, um, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Carolina Hurricanes, you've got games mixed in with these guys. It's just going to be tough. Uh, but I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that these guys can stay hot and squeak into the playoffs. I would love to see that. I love. I would love that for their young core to get some playoff games under their belt. And I think that Brady Kachuk come playoff time is going to be an absolute animal. This guy, if you guys missed the game on Saturday, um, or was it Thursday? Yeah, it was Thursday night against the New York Rangers. It was Patty Kane's debut and Jacob Chickren's debut. I mean, the Ottawa Senators, it, I mean, Brady Kachuk willed those guys in that game. It was a great game. Game. Obviously, it was Derek Broussard's thousandth game. He scores two goals. So everything's going right for the Elba Senators right now. It's really fun to watch. Um, Jared McCann becomes the first 30-goal scorer in the Seattle Kraken's history. Let's not forget, Jared McCann was a player that the Toronto Maple Leafs acquired at the deadline three years ago and then ended up not protecting them in the expansion draft. And the Seattle Kraken hopped all over him. So I wonder, you know, looking back, if if the Leafs would have maybe protected Jared McCann over a guy like Alex Kerfoot. Alex Kerfoot. But anyway, uh, Jared McCann, congrats to him on his on becoming the first 30-goal scorer in the Seattle Kraken history. Man, we got 20 games left in the NHL. So if, if you're not watching NHL hockey right now, a lot of these games are going to be meaningful. You kind of start to get playoff feel in a lot of these matchups. It's really great hockey going on right now. Uh, the NHL has just been a content machine. I think you've got to be happy with, uh, you know, if you're Gary Bettman and the owners, you've got to be happy with what's going down in the content that's being produced. All right, folks. Let's move into quarter three. We've got some PGA Tour t- uh, action to talk about. And we'll move right into Bay Hill, the Arnold Palmer Invitational. And, you know, what a tremendous tournament this is year after year. I mean, it's carnage. Uh, the greens are hard. There's wind. There's water. It's really tough. It's a very tough golf course. Um, you got John Rahm storming out on Thursday, shoot 65, and you're like, okay, it's it's over. This guy's been on such a heater. He's won uh, three events already this season. He's just he's the world number one, and he's just been in, unconscious. But this is Bay Hill, ladies and gentlemen. He follows up his opening round 65 and shoots 76, 76, 72, and we remember that it's golf and that John Rahm is human. Uh, but if you ever if you got to catch any of the golf on the weekend, it was absolutely phenomenal. The leaderboard was just amazing all weekend. You had Roy McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, Harris English, uh, uh, Patrick Cantlay, Scotty Scheffler, Terrell Haddon, all in the mix. Roy misses a 10-footer on 18 on Sunday to get in the clubhouse at minus 8. Did you think it was going to be enough? Potentially stuck around. Jordan Spieth got it to minus 10 through like 11, 12 holes, and you're like, this is Jordan's tournament. He had the two-stroke lead at this time. Uh, Kirk Kitayama, who ended up having the lead, took a, a triple bogey seven on the ninth hole. He blew it out of bounds off the tee, and you're like, this is Jordan Spieth's tournament. Jordan goes on and bogeys three of his last four holes, gets in the house at minus seven. Harris English. Just parred the course to death, and they made back-to-back birdies to get to minus eight. You're thinking, holy shit, Harris English is right there. Patrick Cantley gets in the house at minus seven. Scotty Scheffler had a tough day on Sunday, but he was right in the mix. He was minus seven, minus eight for a lot of the day. Tyrell Hatton, again, was bouncing around. He loves this golf course. But in the end, Kirk Kittyama finished off strong. He birdies the 17th on the the par through 17th to get to minus nine. He finishes up on the 18th hole. He blows his three wood left into the rough. He gets it on the green. He two pots, nearly holes out his birdie putt. Win, first career win for Kirk Kitayamba. He's bounced around. He almost won the CJ Cup earlier this year. Um, yeah, moves into the top 20 in the world golf rankings. He's he's a guy that we should watch. Um, but Kirk Kitayamba, a guy that I was very surprised at one. He was plus... Uh, 17,000, I think, believe, uh, before the tournament. So, um, like $10 would have won you like $1,700. 
Um, like it's pretty good. <laughs> Very good. Um, so yeah, uh, Kirk Itayama with a big, big win. Um, and, uh, and now we move into to the players championship. All in all though, the Arnold Palmer is one of my favorite events. I hope that stays elevated. That golf course is so fun to watch this sixth. You kind of what I what I garnered to from the sixth hole this week is how impressive that uh, that line that Bryson DeChambeau was taking because nobody was even remotely close to taking that type of line uh, this week. A lot of water balls. It was surprising how many water balls are on uh, hole six, the par five year after year. Uh, but we got the Players Championship this week at TBC Sawgrass. It is unbelievable. It's the biggest tournament outside of the four majors. They do such a great job at TPC Sawgrass. If you don't know what TPC Sawgrass is, well, you're definitely familiar with the 17th part three Island green, which is carnage. Last year was a little unfortunate last year. If you remember, uh, obviously Cam Smith won. He will not be able to defend his title uh, due to the fact that he plays on the clown league, uh, the clown tour. But um, it was, it was a, it was a tale of the two fields uh, or the two, um, kind of uh, waves of players. The morning, afternoon. I think the morning players um, got in okay, and then the afternoon was just absolutely outrageous wind, and it carried in in the morning, and it died down. So the morning, afternoon, Thursday, Friday guys got got away uh, with some serious weather struggles, and the afternoon, morning uh, on Thursday, Friday. I think I've got this right. Dealt with just crazy wins. Uh, so really everyone that made the cup typically came from the, uh, the early late tea times, uh, which is the issue, uh, which is obviously, um, you know, the competitive advantage that you get uh, sometimes with, with where you're scheduled to tee off. Um, but it's a massive tournament. Like I said, it's the biggest tournament outside of the four majors. Some notable past champions. Justin Thomas has won this. Roy McIlroy has won this. Ricky Fowler has won this. Uh, Jason Day has won this tournament. Uh, it's a big one. It's just uh, it, all the top players in the world. People get fired up. It's a massive payday. It's even above the elevated events. Last week was a $3.8 million um, prize win if you won. Uh, $20, $20 million purse. This will be a $25 million purse. Um, it's it's going to be a tough one to choose. I mean, we see big guns uh, win this all the time, but we also see some outliners. See Wu Kim won in 2017. Um, it's, it's really, a, you know, I'm not going to let you know where I'm leaning, uh, but there are some guys that play well here. A lot of the guys that I think have played well here in the last few years have moved to live. Uh, you know, Paul Casey comes to mind and Cam Smith comes to mind, obviously. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, where everybody leans this week. Uh, it's, it's a tough golf course. It's, uh, it's going to be laid out like a major, and uh, it's a big one because if you can pick the winner this week, you will receive a massive paycheck and it will do wonders for you in the one-and-done pool. Um, but yeah, as far as that goes, we'll check in Thursday with the leaderboard. Um, I love the golfing and uh, on... Uh, I love starting my day Thursday at 8 a.m. and just following golf. That's just phenomenal. Uh, but yeah, Players' Championship this week. Uh, I will let you guys know my one-and-done pick on Thursday. All right, folks, just bringing it home in quarter four with the UFC 285 and Formula One. UFC 285 was phenomenal. So on Saturday night, a lot of you guys on the chalkboard know that I was at the simulators. I was having a couple pints, uh, but I made my I made sure I got home for the the uh, start of the main card where Bo Nickel, uh, former NCAA wrestling champion from 2017 to 2019 at Penn State, a very highly touted prospect in the UFC, he goes in and makes quick work. I forget the guy he was fighting, but he got on top of him and had his and had his uh, arm locked against like his chin, and had him in a headlock, and he was just putting so much pressure on this guy's shoulder. Man, 
Oh, some of the tough the toughness that these fighters display. We like every fight, every you know, every card. It's just like they're warriors. They refuse to quit, and uh, it looked like torture. What what Bone Nickel pulled off in the first fight uh, of the card, he ends up winning in, in just dominant fashion. He's won all four of his professional fights in the first round. Bone Nickel, guy to watch. I'll be watching the remainder of his fights. I think he's going to have some belt. Can uh, he'll be a contender for the belt here in in a few more fights. But the biggest fight of the card, obviously, the return of John Jones, uh, renowned the renowned goat of the sport. Um, he's just uh, he's just a freak in nature. He's he's an undefeated fighter. He's he's twenty six one and one. But obviously, we remember that the loss and the no contest were for a disqualification and a failed drug test. So he's never lost. Uh, he moves up to heavyweight to fight uh, Cyril Gon, uh, a guy the number one heavyweight belt contender. So it was a belt fight because Francis Ngannou has left the promotion. Um, and, uh, it was absolutely dominating. I, I think it was probably one of the, more, the milkiest entrances I've ever seen in the UFC. John Jones, he walks out obviously and like with a couple different songs, he stands and he goes and he hugs Arthur Chandler and his dad, Arthur and Chandler being his brothers who have played in the NFL. Um, and, uh, he gets in the ring and, and, uh, he gets kicked in the nuts like seven seconds into the fight. So there's a brief, there's a brief, uh, um, kind of a break during the fight because he got kicked in the nuts. But before that, he had his foot all taped up, and they had to cut the tape off. It was a really awkward entrance. I wasn't getting great vibes. But then John Jones goes in there. They're on their feet. He's, I mean, he's he's back and gone under the fence. He ends up getting on him, and he chokes him out within a minute and a half. It was just a dominant performance. Uh, he buzzed into the mic in the at the end with Joe Rogan. Um, it was just a phenomenal win, and, and John Jones will fight. He calls out Stipe, um, and uh, he'll fight, uh, you know, Stipe again at the heavyweight uh, for the heavyweight belt. So that'll be fun. It sounds like that'll be in July during National Fight Week or International Fight Week. Can't wait for it. John Jones continues to be an electric figure. It's good to have him back in the sport. And uh, the UFC, it continues to just pour out amazing content. In two weeks, we've got Edwards Usman uh, for the belt. And we've got Justin Gaethje on that uh, card. Like, they just, they do such a great job uh, at, mix, at matching uh, fights and and, uh, and just bringing out amazing content. It's, it's just, it's flown up the power rankings of my favorite sports to watch. These guys are absolute animals. Uh, and just really enjoy it. Uh, and just finally, out of the Bahrain Grand Prix, it was the first race of the Formula One season. Red Bull with the sweep. Max Verstappen uh, wins the race with uh, Sergio Perez, runner-up. Both Red Bull drivers. I needed Lewis Hamilton um, to win in a big way. He did not. He came fifth. Uh, but in two weeks' time, we're heading to Saudi Arabia, so we'll continue to follow along with the Formula One. We'll hopefully get some better bets going on there. But Max Verstappen, uh, seems like he is the uh, the man to beat right now and just seems like he's got things organized to win a lot of races this year. Uh, but listen, folks, it has been my pleasure. It's been a crazy weekend in sports. Let's have a great week. Um, I'll be back on Friday. Make sure you're giving it a five-star review. Make sure you're following and sharing all the posts on, on social media. Shares and likes do a lot for me on social media. Even if you watch the post and just scroll by, just tap a like. It goes a long way for the post and the algorithm. So I right, listen, guys, I do really appreciate you tuning in. And we'll be back on Friday.